Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. How are you guys? Happy 4th of July weekend. You know what's amazing? What's amazing is that we became free from the oppression and the tyranny of another nation by, declaim, by claiming our independence, but we became free from the tyranny and oppression of the kingdom of darkness by actually claiming our dependence on him. That, that in, in the earthly realm, independence makes you free. In, in the spiritual realm, in the, in the realm that we're called to live in, it's our dependence that actually makes us free. And so while I'm thankful for the independence that we have, I'm thankful for the boldness of those men 246 years ago, 246 years ago, to say, we will not live our lives being controlled by someone that doesn't have our best interest in mind, by someone who only wants to profit from our work and make us spin our wheels and never get anywhere. I'm so thankful that the blood of Jesus declared that we're free from the oppression of a kingdom that wants to live at our expense profit us nothing, and ultimately lead us into a life of misery, a life of oppression, a life of slavery, a life of bondage. When he said it's finished, it was like that last stroke on the Declaration of Independence. It was true, but everybody didn't live under the truth that was written in that declaration the minute that it was signed. There was, there was a day where people heard the good news about what had happened. And then there was a war that, that, that ensued. But even when the war ended, so many people didn't know the war was over. The good news that, that America was actually free and independent and no longer ruled by the tyranny of England didn't reach everybody at once. We didn't have mass communication like we have today. And some people lived under the slavery and the bondage and the fear of the tyranny that they had lived under for so long, even though they didn't have to anymore. Until somebody came to them with the good news and said, hey, you don't have to live that way anymore. Something happened that changed everything. And I, I, I just love that the gospel is that good news now that we carry for people who are living under the oppression and the bondage and the slavery of the kingdom of darkness, that, that, that what has always been true since the day that they were born, that they don't know yet, that we carry that inside of us. It's why we should be so full of the desire to share the gospel with people. It's because there are people living under a false king. They're living under a false king. They're living under an authority that's not real authority at all. They're living in a way that they don't have to because they don't know. Nobody's ever told them, hey, you don't have to be a slave anymore. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. You don't have to live with depression and anxiety. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to live with dread. You don't have to wake up every day and just hope you make it through the day and can't wait till you go to sleep that night, but then fear waking up in the morning because of what that day may hold. You can actually live with a purpose. You can live with an excitement. You can be excited about every single day, saying, I don't know what today's going to look like, but I know this. It's going to be good because I'm going to follow him and he is good. Come on, uh, listen, we're thankful, so thankful for Roe versus Wade getting overturned. Come on. It is amazing. It's something we've been praying for for a long time, something Lou Engle prophesied 
three years ago when he was at our old building speaking and he talked about Amy Coney Barrett, Coney Barrett and he talked about the fact, he said, could this be the generation that sees Roe versus Wade overturned? And, and, and oh, I have so many things I want to say, but, but one thing I just want to say is this, is that never, ever, ever cast aside God's ability to use someone. I'm just going to leave that there and I'm just going to say, listen, never, ever, ever discredit God's ability to use someone even in spite of themselves. It's why we should be praying fervently and earnestly for every single person who is placed in leadership above us. Because we don't have to like them and agree with them. Listen, you, you don't have to like their policies. You don't have to like their stance. You don't have to like everything about their life. And I'm talking about our current president now as much as I'm talking about the one that we just had. But we are called to honor and respect them. We are called to love them, and we are called to pray fervently and diligently for them. The minute that you write, listen, if Christians write people off, who will believe in them? If Christians throw our hands in the air and say it's hopeless, who will have hope? And, and, and I want to say this. I want to say that, 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 that the, the way that we will see abortion ended completely in this country, because we all understand that Roe versus Wade being overturned doesn't mean that abortion is no longer legal in the United States. It just means that it's no longer a federal right that states can't go against. The way we'll see abortion end in this country is by people learning the purpose and value of their own life so that they see the purpose and the value of the life that's within them. Come on, if everybody knew that God created them fearfully and wonderfully and saw the purpose and the joy and the fulfillment that's found in living their life for him, they would never want to take that ability and that right away from another person. No matter how dire the circumstance, no matter how hard the, it was going to be, no matter what they faced, they would be like, I can't do that because this person inside of me was created fearfully and wonderfully by God. And they have purpose and they have value. And, and even if I can't see how it can be possible, I trust the one who knit them together in my womb. But that will happen by us living, first of all, with purpose and value in our own lives and valuing who he created us to be and seeing why we're alive and not just going through life, not just trudging along, hoping to make it through one more day, but living our lives intentionally and on purpose, consumed by the love of God. And if we would live that way, we would have something to give people because what we have, we give. And if all we have is, well, at least I'm not going to go to hell, we've missed it. If it doesn't transform our lives now, how will it transform us then? If we could claim that we've seen God and it not change us right now, what will seeing him then change? If the glory of God is revealed through the Son, if the love of God is revealed through Jesus on the cross, if we really believe that, it should change our lives now and continually change our lives for eternity. It says for eternity, we won't be able to discover the depth of his love for us. But that discovering the depth of his love for us is supposed to start right now, today. It's not a, well, for right now, I'll just kind of make it through life. And then one day when I get to heaven, it's like, no. If you don't love being with him now, why do you think you would love being with him then? Like, if he's not the treasure now, why would he be the treasure then? And, oh, I, I'm ready to preach. <laughs> I, I am. Because there's been some things lately that have just kind of 
caught my attention and things that were said somewhat innocently, and, and, and this is no malice or anything against the people that said them, and they probably meant it in the best way, but it, it's what it caused in my heart and the trail it led me down in my thinking. But there, someone was telling me recently about a, a show, and they were telling me how awesome it was, and then they got to the end of talking about it, and they said, but, but actually, you probably wouldn't want to watch that because of, and they started telling me about the filth that's in it. And I, I left there thinking, like, why would you? Like, if you would look at me and say, if there's something you see in my life that makes you think I wouldn't want to watch that, what's missing in your life that makes you want to? And I'm not, listen, I'm not being legalistic, and, and I'm not saying, like, you know, oh, you don't this and don't that. I'm not, I'm not your conscience. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But what I am saying is there is a Holy Spirit who is supposed to be our conscience. And, and I was just, there's been a few different things like that that have come up lately, and I've started to think, like, well, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. I, I mentioned it in passing last week, and then the Lord brought me back to it again and again. And then I think it was Maria that, that runs our social media page actually posted that verse um, on our social media, on our Facebook. And I was like, man, like there was something on that, and I knew there was. And, and, and so I, I went back to it, and I started really digging into it. And uh, I was in Colorado this past week uh, doing a wedding for some, some friends of ours um, son and one of the worship leaders at our church campus in Ringe. And um, by the way, Colorado, not what I expected. <laughs> Denver, not what I expected, I should say. We're flying in and we're getting really low. And I'm like, okay, when do the mountains and the trees start? It's a desert. I mean, you can see beauty off in the distance, but it's like, you know, living in the wilderness and being able to see the promised land. You're just not quite there yet. It's hot and dry and dirty. Anyways, I loved being there with my wife. I loved experiencing a new part of the country, and we found some places to hike that were beautiful. But for the most part, I was like, hmm. <laughs> Anybody watching in Denver is like, well, I get it. If you would have, yeah, I'm sure there's amazing places there. I just didn't see them. But. I was thinking about this, and Patty and I were discussing this all week, and, and um, so I just, I really want to just pour this out, and I, because I, I, because I feel the Lord, like, like things that we've been praying for for generations are happening. We're seeing repentance like I, I haven't seen before. People who like are coming and just boldly confessing things. And, and, and I know that it's the, the love of God and the kindness of God that's drawing them to that place of repentance. But but there's also, like, the fear of the Lord, like, is returning. I, I believe it is. I believe it's why we saw Roe versus Wade overturned is because there's finally judges in the Supreme Court that fear God more than they fear man. And, and, and like, it's so needed today. It's so necessary today. Now, Hebrews 1 verse 9 says, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, God, that, that as, we, as we read it, as we consume it, that it consumes us, God, that as we speak from it, that it's not just words that are being said, Father, but there's an anointing that rests on the preaching of your word that would break yokes and bondage, Father, that freedom, true freedom, would come. In Jesus' name, amen. 
so I, I, I said this last week as, when, I, when I referenced that, that, that I think that we, like Jesus, because this is Hebrews speaking about Jesus, it's quoting an Old Testament uh, uh, prophecy about Jesus and now saying this is, this is what it was prophesying, who it was prophesying about. I, I, I do think that we love righteousness. I think that we love the message of righteousness. I think that we love the message of, of, of the God who forgives our sins and remembers them no more, of who we've become now that Jesus gave his life and, and the free gift of grace that's offered and, and that by faith we believe and we're transformed and, and that we are now, that he died, that he became sin, that knew no sin, that we, that might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We love that message and, and we should because it brings freedom it, it, it's the truth of who we are in Christ. It's the end of shame and guilt and condemnation. It, it's the only thing that's ever transformed me was to know that I'm no longer the person that I was. That he actually changed my life. That, that I'm not just a fixed up version that can do a little bit better, but that I am a brand new creation. That all things have passed away and the new has come. And that I can actually live my life from this day forward, not looking backward, but forgetting that which lies behind, pressing forward towards the high mark of the call. It's amazing, and, and, it, and it is good, and it is truth, and it is transformational, and, but we, we love that, but I don't know about the second part. And it's not a, 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 a two-part thing. It's a coin that has two sides. On one side is the love of righteousness. On the other is the hatred of evil. It's not like there's camps, well, you know, th this is the righteousness camp over here, and, and so because we have this, we don't need that, or this is the hatred of evil camp over here, and because, no, it, they're one in the same coin, it's, it's two sides, it's as I love righteousness, what's that supposed to produce in me is a hatred for everything less. And it talks about Jesus this way, you know, and, and, and so we, we can never get, like, that should never lead us into a place of hating people. Why? Because Jesus came because God loved the world, not so that he could. There's a perversion being preached that God hates sinners. Listen, it says, in this God proved that he loved us. While we were yet in sin, he sent his son. That means while I was a sinner, according to what the, the New Testament teaches me, the new covenant that came with the, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, declares this, that while I was in sin, he proved that he loved me. He didn't just love me. It says he actually proved that he loved me by the fact that while I was in sin, he sent his son. And why did he send his son? Jesus said, because he loved us. Not so that he could. Because he already did. He sent his son. So the hatred of evil should never be ever be construed or skewed into the hatred of people. If you find yourself hating people, it is not the Lord that has led you to that place. I can promise you that. It's not, you cannot say I followed Jesus into a place of hatred for something that he loves because he's not there. Isn't it funny, too, that, that like we're thankful that he loved us while we were sinners, but then give ourselves the right to hate someone when they're in the place that we were at that he loved us. Just be careful with that. 
There's Old Testament verses that talks about God hating evildoers and stuff. You have to understand, there was, a, there was a, a race of people on the earth that were the enemy of God. The fight was in the physical realm. He actually told uh, the, his kings to go into the land and to slay every man, woman, child, beast, everything. Why? Because there was an actual enemy that was a physical race of people. That was the enemy of God. And that's when, that's the, that is who the, the Lord is talking about when he said he hates them. But now that Christ came, it says the wrath of God was, was poured out on Jesus. And so now the anger of God towards humanity has been settled by the blood of Jesus once and for all. And now, now like he still hates evil. But the word says, while we were yet in sin, he proved his love for us. Come on, don't ever withhold from someone what you're thankful he didn't withhold from you. Ever. I mean, that goes for everything. If you're thankful for mercy, show mercy. If you're thankful for grace, show grace. If you're thankful for forgiveness, show forgiveness. But never withhold from somebody what you're thankful that he didn't withhold from you. Now that you're born again does not give you the right to look back with disdain at people who aren't yet. It's to look back with love and compassion and mercy at those who haven't come to the saving knowledge that you've come to. And to see them with compassion and to be compelled by the love of Christ towards what can I do to bring them into this freedom that I've found. Into this love and this joy that I've found. That's the view that we're supposed to have of people in this world. We're never supposed to look at them with hatred and with anger because people are not the problem. They're also not the answer. If your hope is in a man, then your hopelessness can come as a result of the man. And so I was thinking about the hatred of evil and sometimes maybe the lack of it. Like, Hatred, like, I hate mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's true. Everybody knows it. When we go on our staff, they're, we have some, they're naughty. When we go on our, 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 our leadership, like, Christmas dinner, they, the other year, and I think Scott Seracki was the ringleader. If he wasn't, it was probably his wife, Chelsea. And if it wasn't them, then it, it was probably Holloway. But, but they all sent me pictures of mashed potatoes while I'm eating. So I sent them all back pictures of dog poop. But, but I promise I'm going somewhere holy with this. <laughs> They're laughing at church. It, listen, it says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than any of his companions. Jesus walked with more joy than anyone who's ever walked. And we're called to, as he is in this world, so also are we. There should be a joy in our lives. But guess where the joy came from? It came from his love of righteousness and his hatred of evil. Why? Because here's the thing. I hate them. I hate mashed potatoes. I think they're vile, glob. And, they're just, and everyone's like, oh, you haven't had mine. No, I've had better than yours, and I still hated them. So don't make me some and try to think you're going to convert me. It's not going to happen. But, but because of that, like, if I know there's mashed potatoes that come with a meal, I tell them, I, I don't want any mashed potatoes, please. Why? I don't want them on my plate. I don't want them touching something that is pure and defiling it. I don't want to have to push it around, work around it, you know, clean a little bit off here. I hate them. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want them anywhere near the things that I do love. 
that's how we should be towards sin. It's like, I don't even want it touching anything. I'm not going to tolerate a little bit of it in my life and push it around my plate and think that I can manage it. No, I don't want it because I don't love it. I hate it. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I kind of don't know. I hate it. And that's how we're called to be. I'm serious. I mean, take that mental picture. It's like, if you hate something, you don't even want it near you because you don't want it touching something that you love. If you found a little snake in your garage, you wouldn't keep feeding it and thinking, well, it'll just stay over there in the corner. If you're my wife, you'd burn the house down. <laughs> but, you, you, you know, if you had a venomous snake out in your garage, you wouldn't be like, well, as long as it stays in the garage and tolerate it. Well, it's just little. Trust me, it's not going to stay little. Everything grows that we tolerate. Everything that we tolerate grows. The only way that something doesn't grow is if it dies. And that's what the hatred of evil is. It's, I don't want that. I hate that. Not with like, uh, I hate that person. Like I said, it should never take us to that place. It's a, I hate that because I know what that leads to and because I love this so much. And I honestly believe that our love of true righteousness actually will coincide and be equivalent to our hatred of evil. If we love a form of righteousness that just says, well, there's grace and I can do whatever I want and, you know, God will forgive me because of his grace and because of his mercy, I promise you if that's our view of righteousness, we probably have a view of sin that says, well, you know, it's not really that bad. I mean, you know, I mean, I I know it's not good, but is it really bad? I mean, is it a sin? Listen, if you have to ask yourself if it's a sin, don't do it because that means you evil. Why would you do it? Like, seriously, think about that. If you literally are like, I wonder if this is a sin, it's not good. It's not pure, holy, lovely, upright. Like, it's not. Because if you think there's a chance it's evil, that means there's no chance that it's good. It might be anywhere in between, but I promise you, if you're wondering if this is a sin, it's probably a sin for you. Because you can't do it in faith. And whatever is not done in faith is sin. See, that's conviction. What, what, what we're feeling right now, like what I've been feeling as I've been studying this is conviction, and it's a good thing. Because conviction is to prevent disaster. It's to prevent the, the destructive process that evil sets in place in our lives. It's to make sure that, that, that those vile potatoes don't touch something that we love. That they stay clean and pure and holy. And, and, and like... We are who God loves. It's why he wants evil far from us. It's not because he's the fun police. It's not because he's like, how can I, how can I make their lives really miserable? No, it's because he, he really truly believes that the greatest joy and peace and freedom that we can walk in is when we're walking in holiness. When we're walking in righteousness. When we're living with a clean conscience undefiled before the Lord. That we can actually boldly come into his throne room with confidence because we're not being staggered along the way by things that we are willingly giving ourselves to. And if we would ever slip and fall along the way, no matter what that looked like, that rather than running from him, terrified of him, we would run to him. 
that we would come before him like because we know that we'll receive grace and mercy, but not because we've abused grace and mercy as a license to live less than he's called us to, but because we understand that grace and mercy is what enables us to actually live the life that we're called to. And so I, I, as I was thinking about that, then my thought process, is, and it, I was thinking about how Proverbs 8 says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And I was thinking that wherever we see a lack of hatred of evil, we probably have a lack of fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is something that I haven't talked about enough probably. I've been, I just, I've repented for it. I don't feel, you know, miserable and, and walk around, you know, but it was like, man, I don't think I've talked about this enough, Lord. And, and, and maybe it's because I just, you know, you've seen so much abuse of it and so the overcorrection of it, or maybe it wasn't the season for it. I don't know. I feel like I've done the best I can to preach what he's given me to preach, but and so maybe this is just where he has us now. But, but I was just thinking, like, I know I've preached on it before, and I know I've talked about it, but, but I actually want to talk about what the fear of the Lord is and why it's so vital in our lives and what it's not. It's not to be terrified of the Lord in a way that causes dread or for you to want to not be near him. Even in the Old Testament, when it caused that in peop- 